everyone. Well, welcome to Stutter Talk, the doing the hard work of change edition. This is episode 710. Today we discuss doing the hard work of changing how we think about stuttering and changing how we stutter. I'm your host, Peter Reitzes, here with fellow Stutter Talk host and today's guest, Dr. Christopher Constantino. Hey, Chris. Hi, Peter. Nice to talk to you again. Same here. Chris Constantino is a speech language pathologist and assistant professor at Florida State University. Chris co-edited the highly acclaimed book, Stammering Pride and Prejudice. I am a speech language pathologist in North Carolina and president of Stutter Talk. Chris and I are both people who stutter. Chris, I have known people who stutter who have been saying for years that stuttering is nothing to be ashamed of. And the person finds a lot of support in self-help, as I and I think we have. And the person says that they are stuttering openly. And this has happened at least several times um, in my lifespan with several people who stutter. And then after years or even decades, the person who stutters reaches out to me and they ask, how have you gotten to such a good place with your stuttering? And when I share the story that they already know, that I spent years stuttering openly and using voluntary stuttering, they respond essentially saying that they skipped that step that they know they should stutter openly, but just never got around to it. I'm going to stop there and I want to ask you, what are your thoughts? I've had, a, I think, very similar experiences um, where the this idea of embracing your stuttering, um, I think, is is almost seen as as just an attitude or sort of an in, intellectual accomplishment and i think that's important right like i don't want to downplay how important just a positive mindset is um that actually might be maybe the most important piece but uh it's i think it's similar to exercise right even if you know a lot about exercise and like the, the, the proper way to execute a movement, unless you're actually doing it, uh, you're not going to reap the benefits of it. And I think a lot of people, um, and I'm not blaming them, but maybe they just don't realize how much work this is going to be or are not yet ready or willing to do that work. Yes, uh, it's sort of amazing. So I sent you some very bare bones notes about this show. And what I didn't include were my thoughts on, do I call this show doing the hard work of change? Or do I title it intellectualizing of stuttering? So we're right on the same page with that. Uh, and it seems to me that there are at least some and perhaps are probably met many people who stutter who want to take the next step, the step of not only talking about stuttering and embracing stuttering, but going out there and stuttering more openly, um, 
using perhaps some voluntary stuttering. And I think a point we don't talk about enough is stuttering, stuttering openly, but also stuttering differently. So not just going to a restaurant or talking on the phone and stuttering, but making a change, being purposeful in how we stutter. And just you mentioned health and fitness and weight loss. And I do think that people who stutter rightly look at this part of changing how we talk as a tremendous hill. And when are you ready or motivated to climb that hill? Thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I I like what you're saying about the the, the open stuttering piece because I think uh, open stuttering isn't just stuttering, right? That I think a lot of people um, have this idea that when people in the self-help community are talking about stuttering openly, they're just talking about stuttering how they're currently stuttering, right? Um, so perhaps they they don't see a need to do anything differently or they don't see a need to practice voluntary stuttering because they're already stuttering quite a bit. But the idea is, is that actually most of us, when we're stuttering even, are not stuttering very openly, right? That we're even in the midst of an overt stuttering moment, we are we are doing things to try to close that stutter down, right? We're we're tensing up really hard, or we're backtracking in our words, we're starting the word over, we're we're blocking so hard that no sound comes out, and so I think uh, open stuttering is sort of a a process of trying to figure out how can I how can I allow myself to stutter here without all this fighting, right? How can I how can I invite this stutter to be in my speech in a peaceful way? And that takes time. And just a lot of, like you're saying, a lot of experimenting with stuttering differently. I love it. And to oversimplify matters, let's just break down pe- people who stutter for just a moment into two groups, covert stutterers and overt stutterers. What is one way that each of these groups create Chris could work on stuttering more openly. And again, I, I'm not asking you, this is not speech therapy. I, I just want you to provide the listeners an example of how covert stutterers and also of how overt stutterers can be more open. Right. So I think I assume that most people who stutter, especially if they're coming to therapy because they're, have, they're having a really hard time or they're seeking out self-help or, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for help in some way um, are probably struggling to stutter openly. And I think that looks different if you primarily have covert stuttering or primarily have overt stuttering. So for example, a, a covert stutterer might change a word, right? So you go to say something um, I want a pineapple and you know, you're going to stutter on pineapple. So you say, I want an orange, right? I would say a stutter happened there, but the person you're speaking to didn't hear it because you disguised it by changing the word. So for them to stutter more openly, 
it might start with stuttering on pineapple. However, that's going to come out, right? Allow yourself to say the word pineapple. A more overt stutter might be saying pineapple, but maybe they're they they're 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 sort of gatekeeping their stuttering, right? Like they don't they only want their sounds to come out a certain way. So so maybe they're 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 blocking really really hard on pineapple because they they they're they're not allowing their speech to come out if it's going to be messy or ugly. So they say, I want the pineapple. I think that person could could work towards more open stuttering by just allowing sound to come out, even if it's going to be not what they want, right? Even if it's going to be the wrong sound or an improper sound or uh, it's going to make them sound funny. Right? Uh, that's the first step. Eventually, you'll want to try to stutter on the sound of the words you're trying to say, but allowing uh, allowing people to hear your stutter right, is, is a step in the right direction. So I think what you and we are both saying, saying is the importance of being purposeful with how we are stuttering and being purposeful with open stuttering. Yeah, I, I I think in order to change something, it it requires deliberate attention to it. I don't want there to I got I don't think that needs to be permanent, right? Like I I think for most people who stutter, I want them to be eventually speaking spontaneously, right? That they're not thinking about stuttering. They're 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 just talking, um, but those those initial steps in changing it might might require some purposeful and deliberate uh attention on speech excellent and i'll just share that my personal story is for me to get to the point that i don't have to think about speech nearly as much as i used to is i had my i gave myself assignments often written assignments on a little piece of paper i'd carry around in my pocket of Here's what I want to do today. And I would walk into any type of deli or restaurant in New New York City. And maybe one day the goal was just stuttering openly without trying to stop the stuttering. And maybe the next day was stuttering on purpose. And maybe the next day was using pausing to practice reducing the frequency of stuttering. And there were days where I had several different goals at several different times. So for me, I had to be very purposeful with how I approached all of this. This is Stutter Talk. I'm Peter Reitzes here with Chris Constantino. Let me share with you something, Chris, because I do wonder how much and when tough love needs to come into the equation of making changes with stuttering. And I'm, I'm going to take it out of stuttering and go to weight loss because a few uh, few episodes ago, I spoke to you about this, but I didn't tell you this story. 
So a few years ago, when I was 60 pounds heavier, I was standing um, talking with my father-in-law, and he's a great guy. And we were looking at family photos that they just happened to be on the mantle. And I looked at a picture of me that had recently been been taken, and I turned to my father-in-law and said, Ugh, I really need to lose some weight. And he snapped back, stop talking about it and do something about it. And that was it. <laughs> and it stung a little bit, but I couldn't shake it. It actually was not the only thing, but it was one of the things that motivated me to make changes because he was right. I also had an experience with my speech lang language pathologist when I first um, started this journey. At some point, he said to me, I'm giving you or you're giving yourself these assignments every week and you're not doing them. And I keep cashing your checks and I'm not going to cash any more of your checks until you start to do some of the things that you've set out for yourself to do. And I needed that. And for anyone listening who thinks that was a mistake, I, I love the fact, I cherish that I had this tough love, ex these tough love experiences. Thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I, I think I struggle with this as a therapist, actually. Um, I think we want to be, you know, we want to be empathetic and understanding with our clients. And we understand how hard this is. Um, at the same time, we also, because we've been through it, right? We also understand that like, there's, there's really no way to make it easy, right? That just like with weight loss or exercise, like you have to run the miles, you, 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 you have to get under the squat bar. You, you, you have to do the thing you don't want to do. And, um, that's how change happens, right? Nobody changes when they're comfortable. You have to, it's, it's when you get into those uncomfortable situations that you grow. And I think it's, I think it's hard for the therapist and I think it's hard for the, for the client. It, it requires a great deal of confidence on both sides. Mm. So I'm going to say something to you. I wasn't planning to say, and I, I hope it doesn't cancel me in the stuttering commute. Community and isn't that interesting? To like, I think so. That I just stuttered on community, and I'm not sure which sound I stuttered on—the C or the M. <laughs> it's such a bizarre thing, stuttering. I, I know what sound you heard me stutter on, but I'm not sure which sound I was actually stuttering on. Um, but but he, here's what I wanted to say to you: Do you think with all the glories and wonderful life-changing achievements of self-help? that one of the drawbacks of self-help is we might, some of us might get a little too comfortable talking about stuttering and not enough doing about stuttering. That's interesting. Um, I feel like the, the, the people that talk the most though, like the people that, that um, others want to listen to, often have done that work, right? Like they're, they're, they're often at a place in their stuttering journey that they, there's, there's a reason why they're captivating, right? There's a reason why new members of the community um, 
are inspired or maybe maybe inspired is not the right word, but interested by what they have to say. Um, I would imagine that had they not put in that work, they, they wouldn't be effective. Uh, they wouldn't be effective um, as leaders in the self-help community. Um, but I do think there's, and I do think there's also, it's really easy to continue to talk about these ideas, right? It's really easy to um, just bounce the ideas back and forth and, and intellectualize them without actually doing anything about it. But if people get something out of talking about the ideas, I don't want to diminish that, right? I don't want to, maybe they're just not at that point in their lives where they're ready to do something about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all of that. And again, I'm thinking of the people who are veterans of self-help who, you know, 10 years, 20 years, even 30 years into self-help will express being stuck. Like, how did you get to the next level? Well, I did the hard things and I did them every day for years. And that's, that's, that's my, I, I don't even know if it's a concern. It just is what it is where I, I, I do think there's a, and, and, and I'm sure that happens outside of self-help too. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is, do you think, do you think they, had they not found self-help, anything different would have happened? That is such a great question. And I'm not sure. I don't know if, I mean, all of our personalities are so different. And I guess the question I ask myself is if somebody verbalizes after several years or after several decades that they want more, uh, then the question I, I, I ask myself is, well, how much more do they want it? Like I, it's hard to gauge that. So I'm not sure I will always, um, recommend self-help for people who stutter like friends and the national stuttering association and say, so please, I don't want anyone to misunderstand. I am, I'm, I always recommend these groups. I'm not suggesting that, um, I'm not suggesting anything else, but I, I, I guess I'm wondering if somehow there needs to, no, I don't even want to say needs. I was about to say if there needs to be more tough love built in, but that's not natural. That's forced. Um, and then I question myself. So when, when a friend, not a client, but when a friend contacts me with these concerns, I don't, f- I haven't felt, um, it appropriate to give them tough love. I do think if they were paying me to help them change, I, I in a therapeutic relationship, that's when I think the, of deciding when tough love comes in. I know I didn't an- answer your question directly. I'm sorry, Chris. Well, I don't, I don't think there's, there's an answer, right? Like there's, uh, we're talking about these, these changes that anybody who's made them will tell you it's probably one of the hardest things they've ever done. Right. And I don't want to like glorify it to the extent that like make it seem um, out of the reach of certain people. Cause I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, but I don't, I, I understand why some people might say, you know, that's just not worth it for me. Like I just don't, 
care that much or I just don't want to do that. Um, and I get what you're saying that, well, they obviously do care if after, if they've been in self-help for 20 years and then they're still reaching out to you wondering how they can get more. But part of me wonders if inherent in that question is maybe a hope that there's an easier way, right? Oh, that, yeah. that, that it's, they 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 understand that it's going to be hard work, but they're maybe they're hoping that, that that there's a shortcut, and that they're not willing to do the 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 sort of tearing down of the self and building it back up that's required in open stuttering. But maybe they would try something different. It's almost like in intellectually we may know there's no special toolbox in the back room, but maybe we're still hoping for that special toolbox in the back room. Like, I know you haven't shown it to other people, but maybe you'll show it to me. <laughs> right. It can't hurt to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make it cool. I feel a little bit worried. Like, I don't want to be guilt tripping people. You, 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 you know what I mean? And maybe, but maybe this is what they need to, I, I always have trouble with, the, as you're calling it, the tough love, tough love stance, because on one side, um, I very much value the changes I've made in my speech, and I could not have done them without a lot of hard work. On the other side of the coin, um. I would, I would like to live in a world where if people don't want to make those changes, they could still have a fairly high quality of life regardless. And I realize it's not their fault that we live in a world where if you speak differently, it can be so punishing. And so I don't, I don't want people to feel like it's their fault that maybe their priorities are not on changing their speech, um, that they're unwilling to do that. So I completely agree with you. And what, so there's so many examples I could give, and I'm not talking about any specific person, but I'll just give one example. Let's say the person in self-help who has been working on embracing stuttering for years and years, but years later or and years later, they're still using the same avoidances and circumlocutions mm. that they were using the year before. And maybe not to the same level, but still to a level. So they are now talking about stuttering. They are on some level being more open about stuttering, but they also have this continued pain because they know they're admitting to you I haven't done the work that I know has to be done. Um, and maybe one possibility, it's not right for everybody, is when you get to that point, you contact a professional because maybe when you're paying someone, you're going to get a lot more um, straight up advice or suggestions or feedback than you would get in self-help. I mean, I, I, I don't, that's not hard and fast, but I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I, I think 
the analogies to exercise work really, really well, right? Like if you're training for a sport, um, a lot of times it helps to have a coach, right? It, it, it helps to have somebody to help you program your exercise, help, help you, uh, develop your skills. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in therapy. I, I would recommend that if anybody is struggling to achieve these goals on their own, that, that finding a, a good therapist can be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And I just want to make clear, and, and I know we agree about this, Chris, for those who might be new listeners, Chris and I are in no way talking about working on something called fluency. That's not what we're talking about. So when we're talking about p- putting in the hard work of speaking, that might include some stuttering less, but we're talking about a healthy lifestyle with stuttering where you are more, more comfortable with stuttering, changing how you stutter, and maybe also less stuttering. Is that fair, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm under the mindset that actually abandoning the goal of fluency is one of the one of the keys to stuttering more openly stuttering more spontaneously stuttering easier that that if every time we hit a moment of stuttering we're 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 wishing it didn't happen or or trying to make it more fluent or if we anticipate a moment of stuttering if we're trying to figure out how to avoid it um it's it's really really hard to let ourselves stutter right it's it it's it's I think it's a goal that often gets in the way of speaking more spontaneously. So this is an area where we might, I don't know if we do, we might see things a little differently and I'll put it out there is that making changes with my speech, it was really important for me to learn how to stutter differently. It was really important for me to know I could stutter openly. I could stutter more. I, it was it was such a revelation to learn that when I get stuck like that on the W, I need to open my mouth to get to the vowel. Like there's some mechanics of speech to better understand for me that helped me learn how to feel confident in how I talk and with moving forward. And also with that was I liked learning how to stutter less often. And for me, reducing my rate of speech to stutter less, which some people might say is a fluency goal. For me, that was very helpful. Do you have any thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I'm actually not opposed to fluency therapies, right? I'm, if you want to do straight up fluency shaping, I think that's okay. Um, I know that's not what you're talking about, but I I I I just want to make it clear that I th- I think there's lots of ways that a, that approach to approach therapy, um, and the way I think about it is almost I want my I want my clients to be able to almost speak recklessly, like I want them to be able to just talk without any thought about it. And I think the way we try to achieve that is by making it really safe to stutter so that 
they can sort of speak with reckless abandon should they get stuck, should they fall, should they trip, they know how to get out of it, right? It, it, it makes the stutters that do happen inconsequential. In and I find that when that anticipation, when that sort of cognitive um, attention to speech is lifted, that, that many people actually stutter less anyway, that it, it, it almost, it's almost like by constantly attending to our speech, we're, we're, in, we're increasing the burden on ourselves and we, and we tend to uh, stutter more. And so I, I, I think however you approach therapy, as long as you're um, helping the person to be more comfortable talking and eventually have them talk more spontaneously, you're probably going to see a corresponding increase in fluency. I think there's lots of ways to get there. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with what you've said, Peter. Um, that, that, that's just not how I approach it because I, I feel like it adds a level of thought to speaking that I would, I would not want to be there. Mm. I really appreciate that. And I'll just share with listeners and with you that when I was working on stuttering less, I felt very empowered. And I was always also working on stuttering more and stuttering openly at the same time. So where we might differ is I'm okay with learning. And I'm not saying that you're not, but I, I'm okay with saying with working on stuttering less for me as long as it was within a realm of stuttering openly and stuttering um, with uh, greater confidence was forefront. Uh, right, right. And I could see how that could be empowering, right? Because I think it's, it's very acceptable to talk about the idea that I can stutter how I want to as empowering. But you're also suggesting that with some minimal changes to my speech, I can actually have a little bit of control over how frequently I stutter. And, and I think that's probably empowering too. And it actually might give you the confidence to then enter some speaking situations that you wouldn't normally mm. and sort of further your open stuttering in a way that might've been too scary without, without, uh, that tool. And then eventually maybe you don't even need to work on pausing anymore because you've managed to, to decrease your emotional reactions so much. Yeah. And I'll just add with that, and you might not have to work on voluntary stuttering anymore either <laughs> for, for the same reason. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I feel this, actually, I feel the same way about voluntary stuttering. Yeah that I see it as a very specific tool, but not something like I want to permanently be adding to my client's speech pattern. Yeah. And I, boy, th this will be the last point. I hope it doesn't get us too off track is that I've proudly shared with you recently on air that I've lost 60 pounds and I had a recent physical and my doctor is, is a sports doctor and he's, he's great. And he said, you're in really, really great shape. And your cholesterol is high. And I want you to see a nutritionist if you're open for it. So I'm working now with a nutritionist. And its I never thought I would 
be working with a nutritionist. And she asked me my goals and I said, well, I'm here to work on my cholesterol, but I'd also like to lose 10 more pounds. And she sent me a menu of 1,800 calories a day. And she broke down every meal and snack into protein, carbohydrates, fat, vegetables, fruit. And it's, I don't know how long I will be on an 1800 calorie menu, but right now it is so great for me. And it's hopefully going to get me to a place that I want to be. And I'm seeing results that I really like. And I would have never thought a month ago that I would be somebody who would count out 20 peanuts for a snack. (laughs) To me, if you bought a bag of cashews, it was a single serving, even though the bag says seven servings, right? Um, I'm counting cashews now, and I kind of love it. But I am not telling myself I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. I'm just trying it out, seeing how it goes. And before I hand it back to you for last thoughts, Chris, I want to say you always have the best ideas and the best way to say things and stuttering recklessly. I love it. So I'm going to incorporate that in the title. I think I'm thinking stuttering recklessly, doing the hard work of change or something like that. Um, But please, Chris, please get the last word. Actually, I think that's a really nice place to end it because it, it sort of brings us full circle that in order to be able to speak recklessly, you need some sense of security, right? That that if if all of our moments of stuttering, we lose complete control and we get stuck, it's going to make us speak really, really cautiously, right? It's mm. it's 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 hard to just sort of run around if you keep getting hurt, right? That you you need to to learn how to fall gracefully first. You need to learn how to how to um, get unstuck and and maintain control through a moment of stuttering and and with that self efficacy comes the freedom to speak recklessly um there's a great analogy by an author uh gk chesterton who talks about if people lived on an island in the middle of the ocean and it was really really tall with steep sides like a, a really tall mountain if there wasn't a fence around that island everybody would stay in the middle right everybody would scared would be scared to be by the edges but if you built a fence it might seem like that's that's creating barriers but it actually allows you to behave with more freedom on the island because you're not worried about falling off and i think this idea that we started with about learning to stutter openly actually requires quite a bit of work that work is building the fence, right? That 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 work is making it so that when you stutter, it's it's not so catastrophic, and you know how to get out of it, and it's it's a it's makes stuttering safe. Now that is a great place to leave it. Our guest today, oh, I'm Peter Reitzes. Our guest has been Chris Constantino, who co-edited the wonderful book Stammering, Pride, and Prejudice. Chris, I always enjoy our talks. Me too, Peter. It was really nice talking with you.